imagine this scenario. There's a man, and he is constantly professing his love and devotion to his family. Nothing, he says, absolutely nothing is more important to me than my family. I love my family more than anything. They are my top priority. Now, that's what he says, and he, I think he's actually deceived himself into believing it is so, but on every weekend, he goes out and drinks and brawls, he loses all of his money gambling, and his bad habits have actually cost his family. They don't have proper clothes to wear, they don't have enough food to eat, they, they, they can't keep their utility bills paid. He says that he loves his family and they are his top priority, but his actions actually show something different. There's a real contradiction between his professed priority and his real actions. Or maybe think of another example. Here's this student. And this student describes his plans for the future, what he wants to do. He wants to grow up to be a, a doctor or a, a lawyer or an engineer, something like that. And he knows that he has to make good grades if he hopes to, to achieve what he says is his priority. His priority is to grow up, go to college, get a degree, get a good paying job. These, he says, are very important priority, his top priority. But when it comes to actual practice, this fellow never studies, he doesn't complete his assignments, and his grades are just awful. Would you agree with me what we've just described is another contradiction between stated priorities, and what a person's actions really indicate. Well, I've, I've intended those two illustrations to help you begin thinking along the lines of something that we want to examine in our study this morning. I'm suggesting to you that this often happens. We claim a priority, it's in our mind, and we maybe even imagine that it is our real priority, but it's not carried through in our actions. Now, it happens in everyday matters, but I'm sad to say it also happens spiritually. And that, of course, is the most dangerous area of all, where we claim a priority, but then we don't live up to it. And that's what I want you to consider in our discussion this morning. Before we get further into that, let me stop for just a moment to express appreciation to everyone who's here. We have many visitors with us today. Some of our, some of our relatives are visiting. We're glad to have everyone here today. Appreciate you coming very much. We're trying hard here at College View to be a church like the church you read about in the pages of your New Testament. And in order to do that, we believe we must follow the Bible carefully, uh, have authority for all that we do say and teach. So if you were to ask us, why do you do that? Or why do you do it that way? Hopefully we'd be able to turn to a verse in the Bible and say, here's what the Bible teaches on that. We'd like to be able to give a book, chapter, and verse answer uh, thus saith the Lord for all that we're teaching and practicing. And we're trying to do that. If you have questions, then by all means, please ask them. We'd be glad to engage with you in, in lengthy Bible study to answer any questions that you have. But we thank everybody for being present. It's a beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee. And it's a great privilege to be able to be together. And we're glad that you're here. Think now about the idea of claiming a priority as being real, but then not really following through in action. In the Bible reading that Mark read for us a few moments ago from Matthew chapter 19, we, I think we see the case of a man who was doing that very thing. You remember the rich young ruler? He says, Behold, one came and said to him, Good master, what, thing, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? 
And he said to him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said to him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? If you stop right there for a minute, and let me ask you this. If you were to inquire to this young man, this young man, and say, what are your priorities? If you ask him, what's important in your life? How do you think he would have answered? I think that he would have answered, oh, God is most important to me. Serving God is my top priority. This is the most important thing. Don't you agree? This was a pretty good fella, and he'd been living a morally upright life. Wouldn't you agree with me that he has likely deceived himself into imagining that there's nothing more important than God. But the story goes on, as you well know. Jesus said to him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Do you see, that? Do you see what happened here? His actions betrayed his words. He, he really wanted to believe that God was his top priority. But when there came a contradiction between God and his money, money won out. And so he, he would claim one thing, God is first in my life. But in reality, he proved that his possessions and his money were more important. Again, I submit to you that that's a, a, a very common occurrence. It happens a lot, and maybe all of us have been guilty of that. It's tempting when you're asked what your priorities are, that you base your answer upon what you know the answer ought to be. The answer ought to be, God is first. But, of course, what really happens and how we actually live our lives gives the true answer. Um, and so, I want to ask you the question this morning, how do we know what our priorities really are? How can we find out what really is most important in our life? I want to suggest some questions to you that maybe will help us all do some personal self-evaluation to see where we really stand. Now, we know what the answer is supposed to be, right? How do I know what my priorities really are? I know what they're supposed to be. God is supposed to be number one. But what are my real priorities? Ask some questions. For instance, ask this question. If I want to find out what my priorities really are, then maybe ask some other people who know me what they think about my priorities. You know, others may not know us as well as we know ourselves, but often they can be more objective about what they do know. And so, go ask my neighbor about me. Go ask the fellow that I work with on the job with me, or go ask the student that I study with at school They'll, li they'll likely be able to say in just a word or two what I'm really all about. My neighbor, my co-worker, uh, the, the student at school that I study with, uh, they see me in my unguarded moments. And if you were to ask such a person, what are his real priorities, uh, I, I think they would be able to tell. If, if I'm a, a devoted Christian, I'll be showing that in my daily life. But if I'm not, if I'm not really living the life of a servant of God, they will know it. Uh, I'll be exposed to them. They see me in my unguarded moments. I'll tell you somebody who might be good to ask. Ask my family. Ask my children. 
If I want to know what my real priorities are, ask somebody really close to me in my family, maybe even my own children. They know me best of all. Uh, they can really cut through what I, what I claim and talk about how I really live. Would they say that I'm a devoted Christian? Or would they say that I'm prioritizing other things in my life? In Titus chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, Paul said to Titus that how he lived was very important. He says, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Do you notice what Paul says? You ought to be living in such a way, showing your spiritual priorities so fully that even somebody who doesn't like you, somebody who is of the contrary part, would have to say, well, I, I do have, I don't really like that guy, but I do have to admit, he sure lives what he, he practices what he preaches. That's what Paul was telling Titus that he should do. Peter said the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Having your conversation, that is your manner of life, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify, glorify God in the day of visitation. He says these people, uh, they speak against you, but you'll win them over by consistently living what you claim. So one way to test our priorities is to ask what other people would say about our priorities people who observe us in our day-to-day lives, what would they say? That would be a pretty good way to get a, a handle on what are our true priorities. Wouldn't you agree? Here's another question we could ask. What do I spend my time thinking about? You know, our, our true priorities are the things that come to our mind, uh, the things that our, that our mental processes are drawn to when our brains are sort of in neutral, you know. There are no other urgent, pressing matters. We're able to just sit still and think and meditate for a while. Uh, someone said, when you're up to your neck in alligators, it's hard to think about anything else. We understand that, right? But when you are not up to your neck in alligators, when you have some time to sort of wind down, to rest, to meditate, what do you, what do your thoughts migrate to? Uh, that's, what I'm asking here, do you ever think about spiritual things? Uh, the, the person who finds that he only meditates on God when he forces himself to do so, or maybe only when he's at, at a time like this when we assemble together for worship, he's probably not, not accurately describing his priorities. If he says spiritual things are his top priority, but he never gives much consideration to that at all, then it's probably not so. That's probably not his priority. In Psalm 119, verse 97, the psalmist said, Oh, how I love thy law. Notice, it is my meditation all the day. Could you say that, honestly? Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is why it's so important to think about spiritual things, because it affects what we really are. In Matthew 15, beginning verse 18, Jesus said, Those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. What you think about leads to what you ultimately do. Thoughts precede actions. And so if you're not thinking about spiritual things, if you're thinking about worldly things all the time, then it's hard to claim that you really have as your top priority the ways of God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, you remember Paul told us to think on good things, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, 
Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And so, uh, a good test, we could ask ourselves, what do I find myself thinking about in my free time? That might be an indication as to what my priorities really are. Take that one step further. What do I often talk about? Let me ask you this question. If I walked into a bar last night, what would I be most likely to hear discussed? Um, uh, the NHL playoffs? You may not be a hockey fan, but if you were a hockey fan, the Stanley Cup, Anthony and I were just talking about the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're a hockey fan, this is big time, right? If you went into a bar, do you think you'd be more like, likely to hear them talk about the hockey playoffs or the NBA playoffs, which just ended this week? Or would they be talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh in a bar? I don't think they probably even know about Paul's thorn in the flesh in that bar. They, they'd probably be talking about some sporting event or something else of that nature. And I'm just using that to illustrate a point. Conversations arise naturally out of the things that are most on our minds. Would you agree with that? In other words, we talk about the things that, that are most important to us. That being the case, what do you talk about? Uh, if we rarely ever talk about God, and maybe again only do it when we're at worship services, then that probably points out something about what is most important to us, what our priorities really are. Uh, if, if our conversation gravitates more naturally and more enthusiastically to other matters, it's doubtful if our ultimate priorities are spiritual. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. That's exactly what Jesus was saying, right? What's most on your mind is what you talk about. In James chapter 1, verse 26, James said, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. What we talk about does expose us and shows uh, what our real important priorities are. Another test. If I want to know, and and what I'm suggesting to you this morning is we need to do this from time to time. We need to just stop and do some self-evaluation and find out if our stated priorities are our real priorities. Okay? Because I think all of us, you wouldn't even be here this morning if if you didn't say... God is most important to me. I, I hope that's the case. I hope all of us would say that. If not, then, then we need to study about that. But for those of us who profess to believe in God and serve Him, we know the answer. The answer is God's number one. But do our actions bear that out? That's what we're really asking this morning. And so we can test ourselves. Well, what would other people who know me say about my priorities? What are the things I think about? What are the things I talk about? But how about this? How do I spend my time? How do I spend my time? None of us have all the spare time that we would like to have, but we all have some spare time, right? So, when you have that spare time, how do you spend it? That would definitely be a display of priorities, would it not? Let me suggest a contrast to you. I have known of families. Uh, I can think of one that I know pretty well. They take vacation time and they travel uh, some distance to attend a Bible lectureship 
in another state. Right? So they take vacation time to travel to a Bible lectureship. Now, judging from that use of free time, wouldn't you tend to believe them when they claim that God is number one with them? That, 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 that seems consistent, right? Here's somebody who, who God is so important to them, they would even use vacation time to pursue spiritual things. Their claim seems legitimate, right? Now, I want you to contrast that with, here's this, here's this other fella. He, he's a Christian, but he doesn't even attend worship services locally very often. And when he's questioned about that, he says, listen, <clears throat> Sunday is my only day off. It's the only time that I have for myself. And I love to go fishing, and I love to play golf, and I just got to go camping once in a while. And since I'm working so much, and I don't have very much free time at all, Sunday's my only day off, man. When else am I going to get to do these things? But God is number one with me. Now, would you agree with me that that seems totally inconsistent? Right? That just doesn't jive, does it? He says that he loves God, but he doesn't want to spend his time, his precious spare time, he doesn't want to spend serving God. I think you agree with me. That would clearly be an indication of that person's real priorities. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, it says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. We're responsible for our time and how we spend it. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Certainly how we spend our time says something about what's important to us. I might use one other illustration along those lines. What would be the case? Uh, here's, here's a boy, and, and this boy, he's got him a girlfriend. And so he, he's constantly telling his girlfriend, oh, I love you. You're special. You're most important. You're the most important thing of all to me. I love you. Oh, man, I love you more than words can describe. I love you. But how much time were you wanting me to spend with you this week? You say, what? You say you want me to spend four hours with you this week? Because that's usually what we spend in services, isn't it? An, an hour of Bible study and an hour of worship Sunday morning, an hour of worship Sunday night, Bible study Wednesday night. On a typical week, Christians here at College View would invest four hours to worship God and study His Word. Some people seem to think that's way too much time, and they don't even want to invest that much time. How would it be with that boyfriend who says to his girlfriend, I really love you, but I can't believe you're expecting me to spend four hours this week with you. Let me ask you a question. How long, how long would that boyfriend have that girlfriend? I'm tell you, he's already lost that girlfriend. He doesn't have her now. As soon as that came out of his mouth, he lost that girlfriend, right? If that girlfriend was a top priority to him, he'd be glad to spend lots of time with her. When he says he doesn't want to, he shows that she's really not that important to him. Same thing with God. You think God is so foolish that he can't see through that? We claim to love him, but we don't even want to spend time worshiping him and studying his word. We're pretty, I guess what we're saying in all of this is that we, we all turn out to be fairly transparent, don't we? Uh, you can see through us pretty easily. And if we can see that, we got to know that God sees through us as well and sees what's really important to us. Here's another question we could ask. Again, we're, they're all along the lines of establishing what actually are our priorities. How do you spend your money? Imagine this. You're in one of the Bible classes here at the local congregation. 
And the Bible class teacher recommends that every student in the class spend $25 to buy a reference book. Every, every student is encouraged. Here's, here's where you can, you can go online. Here's the place where you can order it. We, we really want to make heavy reference to this book in our class this quarter. And I'd like to see everybody buy this book. It's $25. Here's, here's the link. Go online. You can get it and have it by our next class. Are you kidding me? $25? He wants me to spend $25 for a book for this Bible class? That's crazy. That's a lot of money. How can he, how can this teacher expect me to spend that kind of money? $25. But then, Within moments of complaining about that kind of investment in Bible study, the same fellow will turn around and he will go online. He'll get on his computer and he'll find a baseball game or a football game. I'd like to go to, I'd like to go to one of the UT football games this fall. And I found a guy who's selling some seats. They're only a hundred dollars a piece. They're only a hundred. What a deal. I can go to a UT football game for a hundred dollars. You see the, you see the discrepancy there? You see how that your actions betray your real priorities? You get the idea. You gotta be honest. You gotta evaluate yourself. Of course, uh, in regards to our money, uh, you, you have to make the connection to our contribution, what we give, uh, to the Lord, uh, by way of contribution. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10, Paul said, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's the love of money that's a problem, right? Later in that same chapter, he said at verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that's us by the way, that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. I would argue, and I can't think that you would disagree, that how I spend my money does reveal something about my priorities. Finally, let me suggest this test, and I think it is the best test of all. If I really want to know what my priorities are, I need to ask what gives when I face a conflict of priorities. As I said, I think this is probably the best test. Let's talk, for instance, about scheduling conflicts. Unfortunately, that happens to us all. We get in a scheduling conflict. The, the, the obvious fact of the matter is you can't be at two places at the same time. And so something has to give when I've got a scheduling conflict. If it is the things of God which give in order that I can participate in worldly activities then that proves where my priority is, right? Uh, our true priorities are laid bare. Let me give you an example. So we're going to get in this softball league or we're going to get in this little league baseball league or whatever it may be. And we try to do our very best to arrange it so that we hardly ever have a conflict with church services. My son is in this little league baseball. Oh, man, I do love to watch him play baseball. Oh boy, he, he can throw a, he can throw a baseball. I mean, he can throw a baseball through a brick wall. He is a great pitcher. And I just, I just dearly love to watch my son play baseball. And we, and thankfully, all through this season, it's been such that 
we've been able to avoid conflicts. You know, keep we, we don't have games on Wednesday night, and we're able to come to services, and it's worked out pretty good. I'm, I'm actually very pleased. We haven't had hardly any conflict. But it's the playoffs, the all-star. My son was was chosen to be starting pitcher on the all-star team in the playoffs. And they've got a game. And it's on Wednesday night. It's right during church services. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, what you do says something, right? What you do exposes what is your real priority. If I choose to go with my son to the ball game, then I have said at least that time, the ball game was more important than the Lord, right? And by the way, you parents, don't think that that message is not conveyed to your children. Don't think that they don't pick up on that when they see that. You don't have to say the words. No one ever has to comment about it. But when they saw you compromise service at a Bible study or worship in order for the ball game, this time you conveyed to them the message, the ball game's more important than God. You showed what your priorities were. In other words, it's okay. It's really a good thing. I'm not, I'm not condemning this all. It's really a good thing when we try to arrange our schedules, uh, all kinds of schedules, business schedules, work schedules, ball game schedules. When we try to arrange our schedules so there's no conflict, that's a good thing. And as much as we possibly can, we should do that. But when the conflict comes up, and you know it's going to come up, when the conflict ultimately comes up, what gives then displays our true priority. You see what I'm saying? I, I, that's, just, that's just an unavoidable thing. I mean, that's the way it is. You're showing what's important to you in that matter. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, you know this account. This is King David. And we won't go into all the background, but just observe the statement that King David made. I think many of you are familiar with the episode. Someone offered David. David needed to make sacrifices. Someone offered him everything he needed to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And David said, Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. If it doesn't cost me anything, it's not a sacrifice, right? That's what David was saying. And so, if, if I never sacrifice things I like to do, other activities for serving God, can I, can I really say I've made any sacrifice at all? If, for instance, I only come to worship services and Bible studies when there's nothing else conflicting in my schedule. Have I really sacrificed or not? David said it's not really sacrifice if you're not giving anything up to do it. And so if I'm not giving anything up to be faithful to worship the Lord and serve Him, then that's not real sacrifice. And what we're saying, I guess, is that service out of convenience is not enough. And so what about your priorities? Obviously, we all have priorities. We are making decisions about our priorities. You are deciding. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Make up your mind, he said. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16, Paul wrote, Know ye not that to whom ye yield, your ser- to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. And finally, you know the verse, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But notice, the demand is, God must be first. And anything less than that, even second, is not good enough with God. God must be first. 
So our question to you this morning is, what are your real priorities? You've got to, you've got to answer that one way or the other. We've tried to suggest some things that will help us all evaluate where we really stand spiritually. We need to be making that evaluation. As we bring the lesson to a close, we're going to sing a song of invitation. Our lesson this morning has been directed toward those of us who are already Christians, so let me speak to you first. If you're a Christian, but you know, because you have been thinking about it, you realize that your life is not where it needs to be and that you are really not right with God because you haven't been prioritizing things to put Him first. If that's the case, you need to change that. If you've fallen away in sin, you need to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you so that you can leave this place once again justified in the sight of God. If you're not yet a Christian, you certainly need to make that decision. The evidence, the proof is there. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. The Bible is His inspired Word. If you believe these things and are willing and ready to respond in obedience to the simple gospel plan of salvation, which is this, hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're ready to obey those, those steps in God's plan of salvation, we're ready to assist you. If you need more study, just say so. We'd gladly study with you. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song. He walked with the Lord.